Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, welcome to this worship service. Yet another worship service that we are offering to you that has been put together through various offerings by many of our different worship leaders, recording from their own homes, but offering to you in a spirit of praise of the living God, as well as in the hope that you will find this a time of meaningful spiritual engagement with God and with each other. I want to mention something that is behind me today. Many of you have asked me questions over this last week about this painting. It hangs here in our home. I'm filming from the dining room, actually. This painting is a copy of the famous Raphael painting called The Madonna of the Chair. The original hangs in the Palazzo Pitti Museum in Florence, and we were privileged to see it several years ago. It was a gift to Helen and me when we left our former call, the Trinity Presbyterian Church in Tucson, almost 22 years ago now. It is one of our very favorite paintings because it depicts the uh, nativity scene, of course, with Mary holding Jesus, and then a very young John the Baptist looking on. So we hope that in its own way that it adds an element of worship to you as it has to Helen and me in our home for these many, many years. I do want to mention a couple of things that are important to us in this season. Of course, the church campus continues to be closed, and we now have closed it through April 12, which is Easter, of course. Please be aware of the emails and other forms of communication that we'll be sending along to you, letting you know of any updates to those closures. Our ministry continues, though, through the work of our deacons, through many groups that are now meeting through Zoom and conference calls and other platforms, and we want your ministry to continue to Jesus. Indeed, the church exists not in a building, but out in the world, and that's where you are. That's where we all are, and so the work of Jesus continues through us. We do still need your financial support, and we'd encourage you to send your checks in to Post Office Box 704 in Rancho Santa Fe. There are some online opportunities for giving as well through our Village Church website, villagechurch.org. If you have a particular prayer concern, we'd love to hear about that. You may email that information to this email address, prayers at villagechurch.org, exactly the way it sounds, no spaces, just prayers at villagechurch.org. And if you'd like to communicate with us in some other way, simply give me a call, or, or excuse me, send me an email uh, at jackb at villagechurch.org. That's jackb at villagechurch.org. Now, friends, let's prepare our hearts and minds to worship as we hear these beautiful and powerful and familiar words from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, let us worship the living God.
God is our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Because of that reality and that truth, we can come before God's presence, seeking his mercies and grace, knowing that God's love in Jesus Christ is steadfast and is for us and is in us. I invite you to pause for a few moments of silent prayer, naming those ways in which we have not loved God or love our neighbor as we ought to. And then I'll invite us to join together in our unison prayer of confession, the words of which will be projected on your screen. Let us look to the Lord first in silent prayer. Friends, let us confess together. Gracious God, be with us as we walk through the hills and valleys of life. Give us courage to face trials and tribulations. Forgive us when we avoid the challenges and struggles of discipleship. Grant us wisdom to proclaim your word and live your love. And guide us into paths of peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, hear and believe, trust and know of God's good news in Jesus Christ, that he so loved us that he gave his only son, the one who lived, the one who died on the cross, the one who rose on the grave, and the one who ascended for us. Know that you and I have been saved, you and I are loved, and you and I have been set free to love God and to love one another as Christ loves us. Thanks be to God. Amen. We are joining singing the response, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Like to invite you to join me in singing Treating My Sorrows. I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my shame, I'm laying them down for the joy of the the joy of the Lord. We say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. I am pressed, but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. I am blessed, 
world endure, that his joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning. I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my shame, I'm laying them down for the joy of Good morning, Kids Village. This is Miss Cheristy bringing you the kids' message for this morning from home. We miss seeing you all in the classrooms, but we pray that you are staying safe and healthy during this time. Our kids' message for this morning comes from Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It tells us that we need to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understandings. It says that we need to acknowledge God in all of our ways and that He will make our path straight. We are called to trust God in every single moment and with our whole heart, but this can be pretty difficult in times that are hard. There are so many different changes and difficulties going on in our world today, and God calls us to trust Him in all of those moments. We aren't supposed to trust God just when it's easy or just when we want to. We are called to trust Him in every single situation. I am reminded how to trust God through reading things like this devotional that I have here at home. I'm also reminded about how to trust God through reading his word. This is my Bible that I have here at my house. Maybe there is a Bible or a picture book or a devotional that you might be able to read through that will remind you how to trust God. All of these different ways through the Bible and through different books can bring comfort and reminders of how we can trust him each and every day. We miss you all, but we look forward to connecting with you throughout the week. We wanted to let all of our families know that we are going to be having Extravaganza live this coming Saturday, April 4th from 9 to 9.30 a.m. 
We are going to have the links at the villagechurch.org website, as well as the Village Church Facebook. We hope that you will join us for this interactive storytelling time with Pastor Jack, and we look forward to sharing the full Easter story with you all this coming weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Tears. 
And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is a revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? What if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise? I invite you to join us for a time of prayer. First, silently, just lifting your prayers to the Lord. Then I will lead us through a pastoral prayer, ending each time with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and invite you wherever you are to say, Hear, Hear our, our prayers. prayers. My family is here to help me with that section so you can follow along with them. We'll end our time of prayer saying together the Lord's Prayer, which you will find printed on your screen. Come now before God's throne of grace and pray. Gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give all praise and glory to you, our God, who is greater than anything we face. Guide us in this time of prayer as we come to you first silently, offering our heart to you and asking your guidance as we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord God, we lift prayers for all in the community who are sick, especially those with the coronavirus. We pray your healing touch upon them. We pray for medical teams, those working tirelessly to minister to those in hospitals and specifically those in the ICU. We pray for those who are keeping peace and helping our cities counties and nations to be calm and diligent as we await the end of this virus's current effect on our nation and the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We pray for our leaders locally, nationally, and globally as they navigate through this time, often in uncharted territories. Let us lean on the peace given to us through your son, Jesus, so we might live in confidence for the work you are doing, even in the midst of this difficult time. Help us live in kindness, gentleness, and care for one another. Increase our understanding and trusting in those you have in leadership to help see us through this time. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We give you thanks for financial support to the government. Encourage and protect the millions in our nation without work. Guide the distribution of funds to families, homes, businesses, and corporations that need financial support. May this financial help benefit all the people, and may we who have enough gladly share our resources to help the unemployed, the homeless, the high-risk elderly, and others vulnerable to the virus. Lord, in your mercy, 
Hear our prayers. We are so aware of other concerns in our world, Lord. We pray for the many local and worldwide ministries that are working to help and support people, bringing them hope where none existed. Lord, minister to those who endure the ISIS attack in Kabul. Comfort all who mourn over the brutal death of those who had gathered for worship. May we continue to be faithful in prayer for all who are burdened and who live in fear. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayers. Help us in all things, Almighty God, to remember the work of your Son, Jesus. In this season of Lent, may we walk with him, trusting in your grace that bears fruit in faith, hope, and love. Deepen these qualities in us and in all your people as we observe this holy season of Lent. We ask this through Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen deepens Lord with me abide when other helpers fail and comforts flee help of the helpless abide with me thou on my head in early
brothers and sisters of the Village Church. My name is Sahail Khalil, and I'll be reading from the book of Isaiah. Who has believed what we have heard, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our inequities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. And now a reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Then Jesus began to teach the disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. The Word of the Lord. Thank you, Suhail, for the reading of God's Word. Would you pray with me for a moment? God, speak to us not only through the words of Scripture, but speak now through the power of your Spirit, through the words that you have given me, through the word as you interpret it into the hearts of those who hear and those who seek to listen. 
all for the glory of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, I've been thinking a lot about life back in the days of B.C. B.C. used to mean for me before Christ, but now B.C. refers to me and perhaps to you to that time before coronavirus. Think about it. Before the coronavirus, when you came to church, sometimes you had to struggle to find a parking space. Sometimes you tried to sit in a spot in the sanctuary that was more cool or more warm, trying to find that spot that was just right. Well, you don't have to worry about any of those things now, so maybe that's a little bit of a silver lining to this cloud that we're under. I also remember that BC, we were going through a study, a conversation, if you will, about some of the major names and titles and descriptions for Jesus. We've talked about Jesus as the great rabbi from God, Jesus as a prophet from God, Jesus as the Lord and the Messiah, Jesus our Savior. Well, today we come in that study to a designation for Jesus that never has been one of the major titles for Jesus that the church has used, and I think there's a reason for that that I'll share later. But today I want to talk with us about Jesus as the suffering servant of God the suffering servant of God. And to do that, let's go back into the story that Mark told us about Jesus. Mark tells us in the passage immediately before the one that we just heard, Mark tells us that Jesus was with his disciples. We're told in other of the gospels that it was at Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asks the disciples who people are saying that he is. And then he asks the disciples who they say that he is. And Peter, always the first one to answer, Peter says that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus says, that's right, I am. The disciples, of course, were thinking, wow, that's cool. The Messiah has finally come. The Messiah who's going to drive the Romans out of our territory. The Messiah who's going to clean up the corruption and the uselessness of the religious and political leaders in Jerusalem. They were looking forward to a time when everything was going to be put right again. Everything was going to be made well again in the nation of Israel. That's what they thought that the Messiah was going to do. But of course, Jesus had a different idea about what being the Messiah, the Christ, was all about. Jesus immediately began to talk with the disciples about the fact that, that the Son of Man, one of his favorite names for himself, had to suffer had to be executed, had to die. And that did not go down well with the disciples. In fact, Peter said, no, Jesus, that cannot be true. And Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Jesus had a very, very different idea of how God works in the world, and especially of how God would work through him in the world. Jesus also had a very different idea of what it meant to be his disciple. In other conversations that are reported in the Gospels, we hear that the disciples are looking forward to that time when Jesus will ascend to the throne of Israel and they will be his cabinet ministers and they will have all sorts of power and glory, but, but that's not the way it's going to be. As Jesus spoke about a Messiah, a son of man who would suffer and die. He was calling to mind some ancient words, words over 700 years old, perhaps, from the prophet 
Isaiah. And so we need to turn to those words for a moment to try to understand what Jesus was saying. The portion of Isaiah that we read perhaps was written during the time of the exile when Israel had been completely obliterated and many of Israel's leaders had been deported into Babylon, or perhaps the words were written during the time when the Assyrian Empire was attacking and conquering and eventually wiping out the northern kingdom. It doesn't make so much difference to us today for our purposes, but we need to look closely at the vision that Isaiah had. Isaiah said that one day God would raise up a suffering servant to be a leader, a suffering servant to represent him and to accomplish amazing things in the world. That suffering servant would be somebody that nobody thought had any power, any usefulness in the world. They would not even want to look at him because he would be physically unattractive. He would be one of the people that today we would ignore, one of the folks on the margins, one of the folks that we would say perhaps has very little, if anything, to offer to society. Folks have had lots of conversations over the years, and the discussion has never been resolved and probably never will be about whether or not Isaiah had in mind a specific person that was already alive during Isaiah's time who Isaiah thought would rise up to become the new leader of Israel, or whether Isaiah simply was tuning into some deep spiritual dynamics and truths about who God is and how God works in the world. And Isaiah was learning from God about how God might eventually work to save the people. Maybe Isaiah was talking about Israel itself. Israel suffered mightily for generation after generation. And perhaps in that suffering, Isaiah saw some ways that God was speaking a message to the world. What might that message actually be? Well, I've thought long and hard about that. And one of the things I think that God says to us in the suffering of Israel or in the suffering of any individual person is that God is saying that, that evil has a real impact in the world, that there truly is something that is antithetical to God, something that's opposed to God in the world. Some people call it the devil or Satan, and certainly that entity might exist in the world. Whether you believe in the devil or not, certainly we must believe in the power of evil the power that exists in the world in which we live that takes us away from the goodness and the blessing of God in our lives. Israel's suffering was evidence of the evil that was in the world, and we need to admit that there are things in the world that are not of God, things in the world that take us away from God, or at least threaten to do that. In Israel's suffering, I think Isaiah saw that, that Israel was absorbing the pain and the suffering of the world, and certainly he saw that for this individual whom God would perhaps one day raise up. You know, there is so much suffering in the world around us now, but I have experienced as a pastor that when you go and share someone's suffering with them, that you absorb some of that pain and you help them to carry that load Henry Nouwen called that person a wounded healer, someone who himself is not perfect, someone who himself is perhaps struggling and suffering. But when we reach out to other people and say, we suffer with you, the, the burden is shared and, and the pain is lifted and, and in some ways healed and resolved. 
We don't know exactly how Isaiah envisioned this suffering servant might work to heal the world, but I have noticed this, that as Israel suffered and as people suffer, we often experience in the eventualities of time that, that God restores and God renews and God heals. Suffering ultimately does not have to take us away from God. Suffering does not have to defeat us. It's true, sometimes people suffer even unto death, as the scriptures would say it. But even in death, God takes us to be with him, and death does not defeat us. We know that, of course, because we know Jesus. And I'll talk more about Jesus in a moment, but let's note also this about Israel. Israel suffered, Israel was oppressed, Israel was afflicted and beaten down and crushed, but Israel is still here. All of those empires, all of those armies, all of those kings that conquered and defeated Israel throughout its history are all gone. The Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Roman Empire, they don't exist anymore, but Israel still exists. And I'm speaking not so much about the nation of Israel and modern-day Middle East. I'm speaking about the spiritual nation of Israel. There are millions of Jews around the world who attest to the life-giving power of God, even through their suffering and in the midst of their suffering. They still want to talk about and witness to the power of a loving God. Now, for Christians, of course, we look at Jesus in a very unique and special way because Jesus identified himself with this suffering servant of whom Isaiah wrote and Isaiah spoke. And of course, we believe that in the person of Jesus, that suffering servant came to be with us. Jesus was broken. Jesus was afflicted. Jesus was anything but a successful person in any way that the world would want to talk about it today. Yes, he started a movement. Yes, he was popular. But his life ended on the cross. His life ended as the life of any criminal would. Something else happened, though. God changed the equation. We'll celebrate that with Easter in a few weeks from now. We'll celebrate the fact that God took the beaten and broken and dead Jesus, and God raised him up again. And in that, God proved that God's suffering for the world redeems the world. It says to the world that no amount of suffering, no amount of evil, is going to take us away from God or ultimately thwart God's purposes for us in the world. We celebrate that in Jesus. And of course, in Jesus, because Jesus was God and Jesus is God, God had the power to redeem the whole world. God had the power to forgive the whole world. God had the power in Jesus and in Jesus' resurrection to say to the whole world that this is the who I am, this is the way I work in the world. And ultimately, that's what Jesus is, a revelation to us, an unveiling and an embodiment of who God is and how God works in the world. God does not necessarily work through the powerful and the beautiful. God works through all the little people and all the little things that go on in the world. Now, of course, Jesus said, Jesus said that anybody who would be his disciple is going to follow him to deny themselves, to take up their cross and follow him. 
Anybody who would truly understand that Jesus is the Lord and Master is someone who is going to take on a life of selflessness, a life of sacrifice, a life of giving themselves for the sake of others. Bonafide disciples of Jesus are people who know that God is not interested in our power, our beauty, our success, our prestige. God is interested in our love, in our giving ourselves for others. I find it interesting to note that a few weeks ago when our society started to shut down, that some of the very first things that we stopped doing were what we call the non-essential things. And some of those non-essential things were things like professional sports events and entertainment activities. I realize we did that partly because it gathers so many people together, and I'm one of those who loves to gather. I'm one of those who loves to watch sports and be entertained. But those are not essential activities, are they? What still continues in our society is that which is essential to human life. Medical care, for instance. Doctors and nurses and folks who create treatments and folks who make ventilator machines. That's what's essential. Not somebody playing a sport so that we can watch and be entertained by it. Farmers who grow food and truckers who deliver the food and grocers who sell it to us. That's what's essential. Teachers who continue to teach our children. Soldiers and sailors who continue to protect our country. The janitors who clean the nursing homes where people are sequestered now. The janitors, the custodians, the people who take the messes that we make in life and make sure that they're cleaned up and can't hurt us anymore. Even the politicians, even our government leaders that we all like to poke fun at, they are coming together and putting aside sometimes, in some ways, their political agendas and their grandstanding and all the shenanigans that go on. They're putting that aside for the sake of the people, for the sake of the common good. And those who are leading us the most powerfully and the most surely in that are the ones whom we are learning to respect and perhaps even to love. I'm not meaning to put anybody down, not politicians, not professional athletes, but it is important that we note the reality that the very things that are essential to our society are those kinds of things that Jesus talked about, those kinds of things that Jesus embodied, those kinds of things that Isaiah saw. Things that take people into a position in life and, and lead them to give themselves for the service of others. Jesus calls us wherever we are, whoever we are, in whatever situation we find ourselves, to give up our own agendas, our own plans and dreams perhaps, and to use who God has given us to serve other people. There are nurses that are using worn out masks so they can continue to minister to their patients. There are teachers who are working even harder at home creating lessons that they can offer online to their students. There are custodians who are still going to work in more dangerous environments now to clean up after folks. Have you noticed the fact that one of the new celebrities in all of this uh, circus that's going on, I suppose you could call it that, one of the celebrities is a doctor whom I identify as a normal-sized guy. He's not tall. All of the people that stand with him tower over him. He's not young. I just read on Wikipedia that he's 79 years old. I don't know if he's attractive or gorgeous or not. Somebody else will have to be the judge of that. 
but I do know that he's what I call a normal-sized guy, like myself. I also know from Wikipedia that he's a graduate of the College of the Holy Cross. Isn't that interesting? Sorry, Dr. Fauci, I don't mean to be throwing you under the bus. In fact, I'm giving you my love and my respect and my appreciation right now that from someone whom the world would never say this guy needs to be a movie star or a professional athlete, from you, we are receiving the best you have to offer to serve the world. You know, God's world works best in the way that God made the world to work, like God himself works. God works in loving, sacrificial acts. God works in humility. God works when people work for the good of the whole community, not just for themselves. God works in sacrifice. And God calls those of us who follow Jesus to work and to live in the same way. Isaiah said that the arm of the Lord, the mighty and strong arm of the Lord, is revealed in the suffering servant. Jesus said that those who would find their life do so as we give up our lives and follow Jesus in the way that he would lead us, loving God more than ourselves, following the master who is Jesus, not ourselves. Those are the terms in which we Christians want to lead our lives. And so let's thank God Let's thank God that God involves all of us in the continuing renewal of the world through our own service. And let's thank God that he saves us in the end through the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have just heard and received God's word proclaimed. Let us affirm our faith through the words of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, the words of which will be projected on your screen. In one voice, let us confess together. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Amen.
by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. Friends, as we conclude our time of worship today, I want to remind you of two things. First of all, I want you to thank God for the gift of the Savior, for the gift of Jesus, whom we believe to be the true Christ, the one and only Messiah, the one who suffered for us, the one who loves us, the one in whose gift of his own life and love we find the ultimate and final redemption and renewal of all things. Remember that first, and then remember that that same Savior invites you to follow him, to live into that life of giving up your own selfish desires, of giving up control of your life to him who is the author of life. Only when we do that can we find the true life that he wants to give to all of us, a life of loving and serving others, a life of finding our highest good as we live according to the pathways that God designed for us from the very beginning. It may seem counterintuitive, it may seem even crazy to some, but that's what the Lord of all things teaches us. And I know that we're learning those lessons, especially in this time as we see so many examples of others who are giving of themselves for the sake of the world. Let's do that too, because God so loved the world that he gave his only son for all of us. And now may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and to be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and bring us his peace today and always. Amen.
Thank you.